This is the Main Attraction Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Justin Strawn and Ryan Nelson. Welcome to the Main Attraction Podcast, where we discuss the biggest television shows and movies in the entertainment industry. I am your host, Justin Strawn. Joining me each week is the other host of the show, a man who would swim across the ocean to bring you this podcast, Ryan Nelson. Justin, I can imagine half this cast just had to be really thrilled when the, to find out that they were encouraged not to bathe uh, when, <laughs> when filming their characters. I'm um, true. That's true. I've forgotten about that. I forgot that little detail that they, they had talked about that. But yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> hey, yeah, we don't have to bathe. Awesome. We'll just sit in our filth. That, that's great. <laughs> and, and they they pull it off. They do. They do. They pull it off very well, especially the Harfoots. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> uh, if you've been listening to the podcast since we started it back in January, thank you for continuing to listen to us and making us a part of your day. If you're new to the show, we hope you enjoyed as we talk about the first and second episodes of prime videos the rings of power titled a shadow of the past and adrift if you are new or irregular and would like more access to the show visit our patreon page and become a patron of the main attraction podcast go to patreon.com slash the main attraction podcast and you can get patreon only content you can support us at a three five ten or twenty dollar level when you join up we'll shout you out here on the show if you can't be a patron you can help the show out by rating us on spotify and apple podcasts Leave us a five-star rating, and if you have time, write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you do write us a review while you're there, we'll read it on air next time we record. All right, we are discussing the first two episodes, like I mentioned a second ago, of The Rings of Power. Before we get into The Rings of Power, let's have a little quick discussion about The Lord of the Rings. Uh, just some general thoughts on on those movies. We have both seen them. What were your general thoughts on The Lord of the Rings? So, I have... Uh, Tolkien is a blind spot for me. I, I didn't right. never read any of it growing up. Don't know how I missed it. Uh, like I don't, we never read it in school or anything. Right. So I, I, you know, blind spot for me. So I watched the movies like a few years after they had come out. Mm-hmm. My my wife actually uh, was a big fan, and I enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I watched Fellowship of the Ring again this week and i was like this movie is fantastic <laughs> and i just really enjoyed it i think uh i think i didn't enjoy the hobbit movies very much right. mm-hmm. and so i think in my mind it was kind of hurting my remembrance of the lord of the rings movies right. and so when like, like i said when i watch fellowship of the rings uh i it, it brought back memories that like oh man i like the story and i like uh i like the way peter jackson did it and the filmmakers here well we'll talk about but yeah i like i like that uh series a lot so that i felt good you know watching it again right uh for me they are my favorite movies of all time i love them i've read the books i've not read the Silmarillion. uh silmarillion i'm not that's the only one that i have not read uh but they are my favorite movies uh they're because some of my favorite books of all time, uh, the Hobbit movies look, they're fine. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of them either. They were, they were fine for what they were. They weren't, there was no reason to make it like a 300 page book into three, three hour movies. Uh, but that's what they did anyway. So regardless, but the original, the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, it is, like I said, it is, it is my joy. When I, I sat down to rewatch all three of them sometime starting on Saturday of last week. And I finished it up earlier in the week and it was just, just fantastic. Now you said you, you went back and watched Lord of the Rings, the fellowship of the ring and that you, said you enjoyed it more and you don't remember liking it that much. I have a no, theory. No, no. I, 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 I enjoyed it the first time I saw it. Right. And then like, 
in my mind, I was like, I just thought it was fine. Right. But then when I watched it again, I was like, oh, man, I really like yeah. this. Okay. I, th- I kind of felt like you would. Here's the thing. Every time I watch these films, I, I like them more. I get more fond of them every single time yeah. I watch them. And I think part of it is you only appreciate what these movies are as you get older. Because when I first watched it, I loved them. I absolutely loved them. I saw all of them multiple times in the theaters when I, when they first came out. And when as I've gotten older, though, what happens is the secret sauce of Lord of the Rings is, yes, the battles are fantastic. Yes, the battles look gorgeous on film. But what makes those Lord of the Rings and what makes the, what makes the books as well so just legendary and so what people and brings people back to them over and over and over again is the small quiet moments that are found in between all of the big action like for like the three that come to mind always for me uh in fellowship of the ring when when frodo they're going through moria and they're in gandalf's trying to remember the way and he sees uh, he sees Gollum following them and he goes to Gandalf and he says, we're being followed. And Gandalf gives him the speech about pity and how it was pity that stayed uh, Bilbo's hand from slaying him the first time and how pity is, you know, was such an important part of the reason why they're here. And that speech is just absolutely incredible. Uh, you have the speech at the end of the two towers when Sam is talking to Frodo and Frodo's, you know, kind of at despair. They don't, uh, and they're being, the uh, Faramir is letting them go and they're getting ready to, to tr- try to make the last bit, uh, last jaunt into, into Mordor. And Sam t- gives them the story about, you know, we're part of the great stories or part of the stories where you don't, you, you, you don't, you're afraid to know the end because there's no way that it can be good. And just, that entire speech is fantastic. Uh, there's a speech in the return of the King where, where Pippin is scared because they're at the battle of Miris. Uh, I always forget the name of that one. Uh, Minas Tirith. And he's scared. He thinks he's about to die. And Gandalf says, you know, death isn't the end. He talks about, uh, the white ships and what it, what it looks like, what death actually looks like. And it kind of eases Pippin's nerves. Those are the things that make the Lord of the Rings just so fantastic. I mean, it, the, the return of the King has my, favorite scene of any movie of all time at the very end after they have done everything Gandalf uh, not Gandalf Aragorn has been crowned the king of Gondor and when he is going around and everybody's kind of greeting him he gets to he gets to the four hobbits and they start to bow and as he starts they start he starts to bow the king of Gondor the, one of the most powerful men in all uh, on the in all of middle earth he looks at them he says no my friends uh, no one you bow to no one and he starts to bow and everyone bows to them and like i said it just gets me every single time this is what yeah. makes those films so great uh and well, what, i was going to i was going to mention too like and it involves the stuff you're talking about it's there's such a love between those all these characters oh, yeah. mm-hmm. just like that scene and it's a, it's about family and friendship right. and good versus evil and just you know i know you hate to keep just the way the world is now yeah. mm-hmm. watching people that love each other doing whatever they can to make sure that they're protected and to make sure the world is fine. Yeah. That's something like I need to watch every once in a while. Yeah, it is. You're, you're hundred percent correct about that. I mean, and one of the other things that makes the film so great is because people didn't want to touch Lord of the Rings forever because they said it's going to be just in too impossible to make it into a film. And 
but but what Peter Jackson did in those films, and let's be honest, I was really skeptical when I heard Peter Jackson was the director of these. And he was like, he's I don't know who this guy is, and all right. these movies were like crap before this. Yeah. Uh, and but what he did is he understood the material so well, and he understood what needed to be left out, and he understood what needed to be added. But most importantly, he understood where can I take things that are so so very important part of these books, and they don't really fit in the movie but if i can shift them somewhere else where will that bring out like the battle with shelob i don't remember if uh the shelob is the giant spider if you don't remember uh in the return of the king that is like the best example in all of these films about when he shifts things because that actually takes place in the two towers uh in the book the two towers but he moves it to the return of the king and it works for a lot of reasons. One, because in the book, Frodo and Sam don't have a whole lot to do until uh, in the Return of the King until the very end. Uh, so, you know, this big, huge momentum where this big, huge moment where they're supposed to be kind of marching up to, to Mount Doom and, you know, throw the ring in. They wouldn't have had a lot to do in the, in the third film. So they kind of focus on Gollum in the second film. But that battle with, with Shelob, it gives Sam his it starts his hero moment. Uh, because he mm-hmm. has a hero moment at the end where he like actually picks Frodo up and carries him up the mountain. Like I said, those are things that Sam, that Peter Jackson did so well, at least I thought he did, that just he's like, okay, yeah. I need to put things at certain spots because they won't fit in in the movies where Tolkien did, but they may fit somewhere else. And like I said, it's just he, well fantastic. He, he did something else that you're not mentioning. He nailed the casting yes, he did. on every role that's actually what I was about to get to and and he brought out the best of these actors these actors uh Viggo Mortensen uh, you know uh Ian McClellan they have been better and stuff mm-hmm. but the rest of the well Kate Blanchett too yeah. so there's like but most of that cast this is the best is thing, the best thing ever done. they would mm-hmm. ever do you know all the uh, all the hobbits, you know, Liv Tyler, Orlando Bloom, mm-hmm. uh, all these people. They, this is the best that they ever did. Yeah. Peter Jackson nailed the casting and, and got, the best, got the best out of them. Yeah, I mean, we they, there were some established stars. I mean, uh, Ian McKellen was established star before he did yeah, this. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Lee, very much established. Yeah, star yeah, Christopher before. Lee too. Yeah, uh, but you know, Viggo Morrison, I thought he was going to have a. Um, uh, Han Solo, what's it? Uh, Harrison Ford Harrison type. Ford. I thought he was going to have a Harrison Ford type career after this. He didn't. Yeah. Uh, he had a couple yeah. of things, but he didn't. It never really took well, off. He's he's been a just an incredible dramatic actor. Yeah, but we haven't I mean, heard he's much just, from him. Yeah, yeah. Well, of the last few years, but he had a role. I mean, a period there where he was doing huge, like Eastern Promises, History oh, yeah, of right. Yeah, these weren't that. yeah these weren't big like action movies. Right. He had that one Hidalgo, and it yeah. failed. Yeah, but like like. He's done other stuff dramatically that that are incredible, but like, uh, yeah, it, it's Peter Jackson, man. You got to yeah. give him credit for the catch. Orlando Bloom has had a hundred chances. Yeah, they keep they keep trying this. to make him a yeah. star, and it just has not worked out for him. I mean, it just hasn't. Uh, Liv Tyler after uh, yeah. after Armageddon, I don't really know Armageddon was before this, if I remember yeah. correctly. So yeah, this is her moment. It's the peak. Yeah, so I mean, I don't remember anything that she's done since then. So I mean, it's just been like I said, he he brought the best out in these people, and it was just an absolute incredible set of three films and. The, all the awards that it got, it absolutely 100% deserves. Yeah. So. Uh, all right, so let's go ahead and get into the actual show itself. So uh, we talked a little bit about this in our Patreon exclusive episode, but let's talk a little bit again here. Initial thoughts on what you saw of these first two episodes. 
I really enjoyed this. Uh, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it. You know, uh, as I mentioned, this is a blind spot for me. But after watching Fellowship of the Rings, my anticipation really uh, went up. And I got to say, these these delivered. I thought they were really enjoyable. I thought it was directed similar to Peter Jackson's yeah. style. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mentioned this to Patreon. I mentioned it here. The way that they introduced the big characters here. Yeah. He does the same thing that Peter, like when Sam comes in, right. you know, or when like everyone comes in there, he does a good job where you realize, okay, this is a big, this is a big character. I, I need to pay attention to this person. Right. Something that Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon could learn how a little mm, better yeah. on. But, uh, and I thought just, man, it just pops off the screen, the colors. It was just beautiful. Uh, it, it, it felt like a different uh, land and that was far away mm-hmm. that I wanted to learn more about. Yeah, I, like I said in the Patreon exclusive episode, we when I when they announced this, I was like, oh dear, I don't know that this is such a good idea. Uh, when I found out that they, they were doing this, I was nervous. Like I said, because I mean, there is a beloved spot, a beloved spot in my heart for those first three films, for those books. And when I heard they were doing this, like, ah, you know, because this is based on, if if you're not certain what this is based on, there are appendices in the Tolkien books that give a lot of the history about some of the things that happened that led up to the events in Lord of the Rings. And that's where they're pulling this from. Uh, So there's going to be a lot of similarities between, and we'll talk about these in just a second, about the similarities from how they're making these shows that uh, they're making here on Amazon to the way they're doing House Dragon, there's a lot of similarities to what they're making them. But I was nervous. I was really nervous. And then when I heard it was going to be so expensive because it was a $250 million investment just to get the rights to it. And then it was a $465 million investment to actually make the season. And my thought was, it should not take that much money to make a good season of television about a Lord of the Rings property. But what I've seen after watching this is they're not just trying to make a good show. They're trying to make a show that will be talked about for the ages with this show. That is what they're going yeah. for. And this is why it costs $465 million, half a billion dollars to make this show. And it is showing up in gangbusters in these first two episodes at least i thought it did no it absolutely did and they like the the score was stunning Mm -hmm. and uh i I gotta shout out my wife kim she was like oh this is the guy who does outlander i guarantee (laughs) this is that guy and his name is bear something yeah it is Mm -hmm. and like uh it was yeah yeah bear mccrary Mm -hmm. and i was like how the heck did you know that i was impressed with my wife kim you did a great (laughs) job on that so and it was it it was stunning it like the way they incorporated when when you were in like the bad parts of middle earth that looked really bad Mm -hmm. it was so dark and and when the orcs came on it was so dark but that like when you're seeing landscape or Mm -hmm. or you know, it was it was just beautiful, man. And they spent money on that. Like I said, the colors, mm-hmm. the cinematography, man, it really pops out. I think they they knew what they you know wanted to do. They want this to say, oh, we're not this this is better than Game of Thrones. Why are you watching that crap on HBO? <laughs> That's what they're going for? 
Yeah, like I said, it's they're 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 shooting big for this, and look, I, we still have a long way to go. They're supposed to be they're supposed to be five seasons of this. Obviously, how much? I think they've already done renewed it for a second season. I'm not sure. Huh, excuse me, I'm not sure yeah. about that. But, they're, they're filming it now. Okay, uh, but obviously, you know, well, a third, fourth, and fifth season, which is what they have planned. You know, it's going to depend on how how well you know these first couple of seasons do. Uh, but this is a look. This, Jeff Bezos, he he has a personal desire to make sure that these this show comes off well and that it does well. It, I mean, when Amazon started back in 1997, we have to remember it was just a bookstore back then. They did it wasn't the you know the mega retail super king that it is now. It was just a bookstore. The only thing they sold was books online. Uh, 1999, they named Lord of the Rings their, their book of the century. Uh, all three of them, and he has had a personal intense. Uh, love of these of these books and when it became time to decide to, to try to bid on these you know he he went for it he went cost him 250 million dollars just to get the rights you know 465 million dollars to to do this show so he has a personal investment what's so weird for me and this is the hard thing thank you jeff yes thank you thank you jeff we appreciate that thank you thank you daddy jeff you own everything <laughs> yeah you pretty much do uh the thing is, is always a struggle for me though is to figure out how amazon figures up what's a good return on their investment when it comes to their, their shows? Because I mean, there are millions of people who have Amazon prime subscriptions who have never watched a single thing on prime video. Like my, my in-laws are two of those people. They've never watched a prime video show, but they have a prime, they have a prime subscriptions because they get the free shipping and all that other stuff. So I don't know how they determine, you know, this is a good return on our investment. I I can't figure that out. And that's a little bit frustrating. I, I, I would, I would like to know too, because like everyone I know has watched outer range and, 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 uh, terminal list and mm-hmm. neither have been approved for a second yeah. season so i don't i don't and what, they and they canceled is, night sky want? which i they, yeah, it, it, it did really well too. yeah so yeah, it, it's really hard to figure out but something tells me with this one they're going to give a little more leeway just because there is some personal investment from well from Jeff Bezos. I, I think it would be such a failure and make them look bad I, I, you're going to see five, yeah, five six, I, I, six seasons. I feel really confident about that. that they're going to let this go regardless, no matter how much money it yeah, costs them yeah. in, in the long run. But this is also, this is continuing a trend of where they're trying to get back into becoming a, a significant player in the streaming wars. Because for, I'll be real honest, for the longest time, I didn't know my prime, my prime subscription to Amazon came with a video service. I had no idea. I mean, they just didn't have a whole lot of shows that people were talking about for the longest time. Uh, yeah. Marvel, the marvelous Miss Maisel was one, uh, that cast uh, castle high rock or whatever it was. I didn't see it. Yeah. Uh, they had a couple, like you said, Miss Maisel. Um, what did they have early on? I can't. Uh, the one. But I, you're right. The one actually. The only reason I found out about it is because I wanted to watch their version. I heard a lot of really good things about their version of the Tick, uh, and that was the one that I ended up watching. Uh, that kind of got me into Prime Video. I was like, oh, okay, well, they actually do have some good shows out here. Uh, so I watched that, and it was it was good. Uh, there was, uh, but. <sighs> Like I said, they struggled, and then they basically decided, we, we want to get back into the game. We want to be a player. They did Wheel of Time last year, and it it was okay. Uh, it didn't go over just real well. A lot of people who were really looking forward to it were disappointed. I was one of those people. Uh, they did that. They've done – obviously, they've had a lot of success with the boys. But the boys has been kind of their mainstay. Bosch has been the biggest hit, too. One yeah, of their biggest Bosch has been too. good. Yeah, I forgot about that. They had that. So, like I said, they've had some good things, but the, this is kind of their, their big splash. This is the one they're going for to really say we're going to compete with the HBOs, the Disney Pluses, the Netflixes, all those places. We're going to we want to compete.
compete with those guys. And this is where they're putting all their money. So, uh, just like I said, this show is, it's, it's a big show. It's, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a show that continually gets better as it goes along. Uh, like I said, I enjoy these first two episodes. Look, there are some, there are some things that we could definitely talk about, uh, and that might, that may not have worked quite as well, but, I think it's going to get better as they go along. Like I said, I enjoyed the first time. Look, this is when I was watching this, I was like, this is really the biggest example of the line between movies and television getting blurred completely. Cause yeah. it, it's, it, it was cinematic. I mean, it was it completely really was. cinematic. And I was like, wow, this is a TV show. This is not a movie. This is a TV show. Well, and it was so similar to the Lord of the yeah, Rings mm-hmm. movies. I was I was shocked Peter Jackson was an at least an executive producer or something right. on He has nothing to do with it. Not a he thing. Nothing. Mm-hmm. And then which is surprising because it, 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 there are will, so many uh, yeah. things that are similar about it. Uh, I mean it is it is uh, I will go ahead and say this after two episodes, it's the most beautiful TV show I've ever oh, seen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean yeah. it is I mean like they have a lot of dark stuff but even then they like so many things that when they get dark on television it, you have a hard time seeing not with this right. i mean everything yeah, is crystal clear it is easy to watch it is just easy on the eyes and like i said it's just absolutely gorgeous so it's going to get good points for it even yeah. before the story even starts and we kind of need to just go ahead and get start talking about that so let's go ahead and kind of okay. get into it uh this story for the most part is going to be focusing on galadriel what did you think about galadriel from what you remembered from the Fellowship of the Ring to the Galadriel we have now, which is thousands upon thousands of years prior. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the Fellowship, Kate uh, Blanchett just, she's just a marvel. Yes, she yes. just pops. And this is a perfect role for her, too. And she's just so stunning and mm-hmm. like the way she looks and and the way that, that they portrayed her. And I f- when you see this version's Galadriel, you're like, they've found a girl that's similar. Yeah, they have. Mm-hmm. And and she really stood out from the minute she started speaking. Like, I actually texted you, I was like, this girl has the potential to be a huge star. She does. Mm-hmm. I really think it's good, too. So and she's played by Morphe Clark. That is the actress playing Galadriel in this. Uh, my first thing I've ever been familiar with her. I've never seen her in anything yeah, else. Yeah. I'm sure she's probably done other stuff, but this is my first uh, experience to, to having watch anything with her. Uh, but she's a very different look. It's just, one of the things I found interesting about this show is the two main characters that we're probably focusing the most on, Galadriel and Elrond, is this the way that all of the millennia that they go through from this show into the Lord of the Rings when in fellowship of the ring, the way that the millennia have changed them because in, in the fellowship of the ring, Galadriel is much more serene, much more peaceful. And, uh, but in this, she is a warrior. Uh, and yeah. if, if you go in, if you, if you want to know just some, one of the, one of the different, one of the reasons why she is so, uh, different in this film, you go read some of the books. I'm not going to really get into all that because it can, I could probably talk about that for days, but, uh, there's a reason why she's very different in these in this show than she would be in the fellowship of the rings. But she, as the years have gone on, as the thousands upon thousands of years that have gone on, she has become more peaceful. She's become much more serene. Now, uh, that scene where she, where Frodo offers her the ring and she kind of takes on that really scary, uh, part where she's like, she's saying I could be a great queen and all this type of stuff. 
that has to do with the books. Uh, I mean, honestly, one of the things that they don't really hit on in this show, which they probably should, is one of Galadriel's biggest things throughout the course of her life up until the very end was she wanted to be a queen and she wanted to rule. And that's one of the mm-hmm. reasons why that's so significant at the end. When she turns that down, it shows that she has finally grown to the point where that uh, desire to rule no longer dominates her life. And that's one of the interesting things about it. But she is, she's a warrior here. She's a warrior. Mm -hmm. She wants, she wants vengeance for her brother. She, she cannot let herself rest. And Elrond is very peaceful. He's very serene and played by young Ned Stark. Yes. I would say the Rob Arameo is the guy who plays him. And he was, he played young Ned Stark, I guess, starting in season seven of, of uh, game of Thrones. And, but when he, we get to the fellowship of the ring, uh, what's his name? Plays him in fellowship of the ring. Um, agent Smith. What was the guy? Oh, uh, Man, I looked up his name. Yeah, I looked it up too, but I forgot to put it down. Uh, let me look it up because um, I'm just going to drive me crazy until I, I know. I find it. Like you said, he's in every. Let's see, Agent Smith. He is Hugo Weaving. All right, so yeah. when, when Hugo Weaving is playing him in Fellowship of the Ring, he's a jaded character. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, he's really jaded. So the, the millennia have, have has shaped him very differently than it has. Uh, Galadriel, and like I said, it's just so interesting to see the differences in these two characters as they have gone out through the, from this show to where we see them in the Fellowship of the Ring. But like I said, we're going to focus mainly on Galadriel. Uh, you know, we get this introduction of her basically taking this band of soldiers up to the f- furthest northern parts of the world, and she is hunting down Sauron. Uh, just what did you think about just her intensity, her desire? What did you think about her? Loved it. Uh, loved the scene of them going up the mountain and just like how she was, she was not going to stop until no, she, she got revenge, uh, from her, for her brother. And I thought when they were in that, I mean, what would you call that? Like cave in the mountain you well, know, I mean, it, was like a, it looked like a castle uh so I, I almost want to say castle yeah i actually thought um i believe his name was thondor yes i thought he, i thought when he pulled that sword that he, she was going to killing all of them in right. the fight yeah because it looked like that uh that that was about to really go off but you know and just how they're being taken out by that uh creature yeah the snow that troll. was a, yeah the snow yeah and like she's like, no, I'll kill it. Yeah, so, <laughs> she does. And she just goes up there and takes it out real quick. So, yeah, like yeah. I said, I, I'm I'm really liking what we're getting from Gladiator yeah. because she was one of the few characters that I was like, I really wish we had more of in the original trilogy films. Because mm-hmm. look, Kate Blanchett is is fantastic in that role, but she's not on screen for that often. Uh, she's on screen for a little bit in Fellowship, and she's on screen for a little bit throughout the uh, in a couple of the other in a couple of the other uh, movies, but she's not on there very often. And like I said, I really would have loved more from her that character. And now we're getting a lot more of that characters, which is, is really nice. Um, but her story is the one that's most compelling. She's on, uh, uh, she's seeking revenge, but no one believes her. And this is kind of one of the mysteries that they're setting up here is who is Sauron? Uh, because we've never seen him really. I mean, we've seen, you know, we kind of see him in the fellowship of the ring, but we see his big hulking body. He's got claw like hands, but one of the things about Sauron that makes him so interesting, the reason why he's able to kind of come to power is because they say this very much throughout the books. And we've seen a little bit of, we've kind of seen like some silhouettes of him in the trailers and we've kind of seen his clawy hands, but he can like take the form 
of anything that anybody wants to see. So whatever, like uh, Tolkien calls it a fair form. So whatever somebody desire something that they are attracted to he can take on that form and this is kind of how he like deceives people uh yeah so do you you think we've seen sauron i was gonna say the the biggest one that would probably make sense is hallbrand hallbrand he's a a candidate the hallbrand the the person who rescued her Mm -hmm. uh and then oh uh the, the 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 king uh, Gilgalad. Gilgalad. I could say yeah. that. Yeah, that, that could be possible. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I kind of don't know that we've <laughs> seen him yet. Um, okay. Hallbrand. I'm kind of thinking. So uh, I kind of fast forward this to the end of episode two because I want to kind of do this by storyline, not by necessarily episode yeah. or timeline. Uh, so basically, let's, let's kind of jump ahead to that. Uh, we've got basically when she gets back, her her troops have mutinied her, her basically. They said, We're not going if you're gonna go if you're gonna go further north and try to chase something that we don't think is there, you're going by yourself. They lay down their swords, they lay down their their, bro, their bows, and they say, We're not going with you. So they all end up going back to I can't remember the name of the the the, the names of the kingdoms I, I struggle with in the in this yeah. one. I remember a lot of them from the original trilogy, but this one I can't remember that well. But they go back to the elf kingdom and they're talking with she talks with era uh, with uh uh who was he talking to uh she talks with elrond when she first gets back and he basically reveals her that the king is upset with her he he's willing to kind of look past the things that she has done because she's done uh the the ways that she has uh kind of disregarded what he has said because she's done so many great things he's kind of willing to put that off to the side and he's going to honor her and but she's not really into it uh he wants well, to and, and the, the king says the war is over yeah he says the war is over it's, yeah. it's over and she's she just can't buy into it she and honestly obviously she's right but we'll talk about yeah. uh that in just a second but the king is ready to move on. Uh, they, there's been no sign of Sauron. Nobody's seen an orc for, for centuries. So, you know, they're all ready to move on. And I, and I kind of get it. Uh, but she's not. Uh, so she, they send them all off to Valinor. And we finally get what it looks like for the elves to go into Valinor. I thought that was really interesting because we hear yeah, so was. much about that in the fella, in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. We see these elves marching through the woods and things like that, but we never actually see the ships head to Valinor. So, and one of the things about Valinor is when you go to Valinor, you don't come back. It's not like you have the option to, to, you know, all right, let's get on another boat and come on back. Uh, once you go there, you're there for for all of eternity and so she knows this when she's on that boat when she sees that and she just can't let go of the fact that something in her heart tells her it's not over the war's not over and she jumps off that boat just a really dramatic thing because it's also having that same time that that comet is shooting through the air uh yeah. so lots of drama they're doing a really good job of building up in this first episode because one of the things that i think you can criticize that first episode for is it's a lot of exposition uh, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. kind of slow at times, uh, yeah. but like I said, that was a really cool dramatic moment. At least I thought it was. Yeah. And let me just mention, I was the other person, the stranger, the guy in the comet, yeah. uh, uh, he, he has to be a possibility as well. Yeah. I think he could be a possibility, but here's one thing. All right. So Hollibrand, uh, we meet Hollibrand when she's swimming through the ocean. I honestly was like, Oh, please let her swim all the way back. That would just be fantastic. Cause that's one of those, that's one of those fantasy tropes where this character yeah, yeah. does this in, in crazy and impossible thing. Right. Uh, cause when she first jumped off, it's like, what are you going to do now? You don't have a ship. And she starts swimming. It's like, all right, I'm for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but she comes across that ship of men that has been attacked.
attacked and they're kind of left there. Uh, they get attacked by a sea worm. They all die except for Halbrand and for her. And Halbrand, there's some tension there between them. I kind of think Halbrand is one of the nine kings that gets the rings of power because that's one of the things that Tolkien has mm-hmm. never said in his writings. He's never said who those nine people were because at the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring, they talk about the nine rings of power that were given. Well, they gave three to the elves, they gave seven to the dwarves, and they gave nine to to the kings of men because they crave power above all else or something like that from Kate Blanchett's narration. Uh, but we don't know who they were. They, they have never okay. said who they were. Uh, and it makes me kind of think that he is like the, I kind of think there might be going down this road where we're going to introduce you to some people and we're going to make you fall in love with them. And you're going to love these characters and then you're going to see them turn. And I kind of think that's where they're going with Halbrand. And he might end I, up I, being the, the witch king. Who's kind of like the leader of all the Nazgul. Uh, yeah, I could, I could see that because they definitely made him look heroic, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at, when you first meet him and it, like he rescues her and he, go, he goes out of his way to rescue her. He's, but, he's a good looking guy. He's got the hair. Yeah. But they also show, but the thing about that is, and it's really quick. So and you, and I don't know if you caught it, but there's this really quick moment when they're getting attacked by that, that worm. He's basically unties his part of the boat and shoves the rest of them away and they all get like, so there is that little oh, bit of yeah. uh, villainy, a little yeah. bit of treachery there as well, because he basically says, screw you guys. I'm saving myself. Yeah. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. So there's a little, like so a lot of people thought, Oh, this is going to be another Aragorn, a completely virtuous character. Aragorn never did that. <laughs> I mean, right. he didn't sacrifice and, his comrades. And it feels like he's escaping something. Yeah, it does. It feels like he's escaping something. So like I said, I kind of could see him going down that road. Um, okay. I, I could also, so uh, you talked about the stranger played by Daniel. Is it Daniel Wyman? Is that his name? I can't remember. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Daniel Wyman. Yeah. Uh, I kind of think he's going to be one of the wizards because there's a total of five wizards throughout the course of Lord of the Rings. You got Saruman, who is Saruman the White. You got Gandalf the Grey, who becomes Gandalf the White. Uh, you got Radagast the Brown, who we met in the Hobbit movies. But the two blue um, wizards, we never met them. And so I'm wondering if he's one of those because, you know, when he's got that moment where he starts talking to the fireflies, it mm-hmm, reminded me mm-hmm. a lot of what Gandalf was doing yeah. when he was talking to the moths and brought the eagles in. I, yeah. So that's kind of where I'm thinking is if he, is he going to be one of those witches? Could he actually be Gandalf? I mean, that's a possibility. Uh, but and, and that makes sense with him with the Harfoots too. That yeah. seems like a good spot for him to be in a, a fun yeah. storyline because I will say that was probably the boringest uh, part. Maybe the Harfoots. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But it, but I still enjoyed it. Right. Uh, I, I thought the the. The Nori and Poppy characters were really good. I thought those two young ladies, uh, Markella Cavanaugh and Megan Richards, I thought they were really good. Right. Uh, and, and I liked I liked their their performances, and I, I thought they kind of brought something to it that that it wasn't very boring to me. Yeah, they I think they are the most boring, but they're also the part that makes this feel much more like Lord of the Rings than anything else. Yes, uh, yeah, for sure, because they are so unique in the way that they just their appearance and uh, yeah, and everything else. I thought right. that they made them feel much more like that. So, but I think you're right because the, they he lands among the Harfoots. That's another reason why I kind of think I could see this being one of those wizards because Gandalf is so attached to the hobbits and that's where he kind of, his story is always yeah. introduced is, is through the hobbits. Um, let's see what else. All right. So let's talk about Elrond a little bit. Elrond, like we said, is very different. It's a very different Elrond that we saw in uh, the 
Lord of the Rings films. He's a much more peaceful person. I mean, when we were first introduced him, introduced to him in this movie, he's sitting in a tree reading a book. Uh, he says, you know, it's almost like I didn't want to be found. Uh, when yeah, that, yeah, that was a great when that person uh, came to him. Uh, like I said, I really like what Rob Aramayo is doing. Uh, the mm-hmm. only thing I've seen him in prior to this was Game of Thrones. We didn't see much of him in that, but we saw a little bit of him. I like what he's doing with the character. Like I said, this is a much more this is a much more thoughtful Elrond. This is a guy who's very politically smart. Uh, he mm-hmm. is. I mean, he even kind of basically says that at the end of, or at the middle of the second episode when he tells uh, Kellen Brimbor, you know, you go do your craft. I'm going to do mine for a little bit here. He's going to do the politicking yeah. with the, with the dwarves. I I like what Rob Aramayo is doing here. I think he, it's it's very intriguing. I think it's very interesting. I don't know exactly where they're going with some of it, but I think he's. I've enjoyed what we've got from him. Yeah, I agree. He has a good presence about he him does. too. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, especially in this type of uh, role, uh, I, he was in. He had a pretty big role in the the Kingsman prequel that oh, yeah, came out. Right. And yeah, yeah he, he had a pretty big he had a pretty big role in that. Uh, but uh, like this, like I said, he just has a presence about him. Yeah, and he does. He mm-hmm. feels good. Like like you said, and I was kind of shocked. I recognized the name when I saw who who was playing him, and mm-hmm. the in the movie. I was like. Wow, this is totally different character. Right, it is. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I loved when he went to uh, where the uh, what was the where and, and it was really in the second episode where he goes to uh, the dwarfs, because the dwarfs, yeah, 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 yeah the dwarfs, yeah. That was really great. Just that whole part where he's like, and it's such a trope. You knew it was going to happen. He's like, oh, this guy's my friend. <laughs> right. <laughs> they love me here. And, and then, then when like, he gets there, he's not, the door, yeah. like, we hate you. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I, I like that. Let's talk about that a little bit because one of the things I liked about this, Kaza Doom, if you don't uh, know what Kaza Doom is, this is actually in Fellowship of the Ring. This is this is Moria where they go, where Gandalf is trying desperately to avoid when they're, when they're on that snowy mountain and he doesn't want to go there because he knows that the dwarves dug too far and they awakened something that they shouldn't have awakened. Moria is, this is where Moria eventually is. Uh, Casa Doom is the, is what it's named originally, and they eventually call it the Mines of Moria. So what was so cool about this, because when I saw saw that name appear on screen, it's like, oh, we actually get to see it in its glory. And it's, it's because what we see in Fellowship of the Ring is just a graveyard. Uh, mm-hmm. And to, so to see it as the as the dwarves are actually mining it and see just the this mine, this underground cave in all of its splendor and all of its glory like i said that just it just kind of thrilled my heart to be able to see that but it yeah. it just showed just what the dwarves are capable of even though they're doing this all underground yeah and i thought uh uh Owain arthur as durin mm-hmm. the, the fourth man he was fantastic he was. i've not great. seen him in anything but i felt like i'd seen him in a hundred oh, yeah i know i'm the same way because my wife and i were like oh yeah we love this guy and i looked him up and i was like i do, i've not seen this guy i think it's it's the makeup it it's looks makeup. like mm-hmm. every character that you've seen in lord of the rings the hobbit mm-hmm. even yeah. harry potter a little bit so you're like oh yeah i know this guy and then i was like no i don't i do know his father uh played uh, a villain in uh Ozark, like one of the one oh, really? of the main. Okay. So uh, I I really like him. He's in. A, if you look up his career, he's he is a true that guy. He's been in a hundred <laughs> stuff. Uh, but like, I thought they were really good. I liked it. I liked the wife too. Yeah, uh, the wife was great. Uh, 
Yeah, so that that whole part that that may have been my favorite part of the whole the whole show was like like I said, start to finish where he just knocks on the door. Right. <laughs> it's like this is my friend, and then, and then he found out why he's mad at him. And I thought that was interesting about how you know he hadn't seen we're supposed to be best BFFs, and you hadn't come to see me in twenty years, right. and my whole life has changed. And that's where you know these people that have eternal life they don't realize twenty years 20 is nothing. Years is, twenty years is nothing to them. I mean, when you've been yeah. alive for five thousand years, you know yeah. what's, what's twenty? And because uh, right. he even says that he's like, uh, it's only been twenty years. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. half my lifetime. But yeah. uh, so well, yeah, and that was another thing they they showed like how like charismatic and like just the the, the politician the Elron is like. Uh, Duran is so mad at him and he's still winning over everyone else, exactly. inclu- including his wife. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just really good stuff from them. Uh, like I said, I loved what they were doing. I'm interested to find out. I'm assuming that what he shows, what his father shows during the fourth at the end is mithril uh, because we get that scene where he's opening up that little thing and, but we don't see exactly what it is because that's one of the things I do think they do a really good job of in this in these first few episodes is showing that there's look, there's a lot of racism in the show. The elves don't like the men. Men don't like elves. Elves don't like dwarves. Dwarves don't like men. Dwarves don't like elves. Uh, nobody likes each other from outside right. their own races. And that's kind of one of the things that look, if you want to talk woke and all that type of stuff, whatever. But that's one of the things that if you think they're not going to play into the fact that, the fact that these people, because what's a big part of what eventually leads to Sauron becoming so powerful and becoming the threat that he became is the fact that he understood that all of the races, the dwarves, the men, the the elves, they didn't trust each other, didn't like each other. And he used that against them. And that's one of the reasons why he becomes so powerful. And it finally took the, all those people coming together to stop him. And that, if you think that they're not going to play into the fact that that's a whole lot of that going on in today, yeah. I got news for you because that's going to be played up a lot in this show. It, it, as it as- is. As they should. Yeah, 100% as it should. So, But, I mean, you saw that in the Lord of the Rings movies. Oh, yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. You know, some of that. So, what, like, yeah, like you said, they should play it up even more, you know, just how ridiculous it is. Oh, yeah. And and they are, like I said. And they're really kind of hitting at that pretty strongly here. Uh, so, let's talk a little bit about the guy that, that Elrond meets in the middle of the second episode that he actually goes to. Uh, this is Kella Brimbor. And if Kella Brimbor... Is it a spoiler to talk about what he's what he's actually going to make here? I mean, no, because okay. everybody, I, th- I think it's kind of known. Okay, so I mean, they are laying out the fact that he is making the forge that is going to forge all these rings. That's eventually going to lead to the Ring of Power. If, if like I said, I'm hoping that was pretty obvious to people. Uh, yeah. But uh, so, like I said, I didn't know if that was going to be a spoiler or not. But that's that's what's it, uh, that's what's going to end up happening is he so desires to make something that is that will actually affect the world. And he has this great desire to do it, that he's going to, that the, and the dwarves are going to help him. And this is kind of where Sauron is going to, this is where he's going to manipulate people because he's, all these rings are going to be made. And when he does that, it's going to allow Sauron to make his own ring that will basically draw the power and rule over the rest of them and make it so much powerful. And it just kind of shows that whole desire that even good people, and this is what's so common throughout Tolkien's writings, you know, good people, a lot of people times they mean good things, but the, the, the desire for power just corrupts so absolutely. And that's one of the things I think that's going to be another strong theme in the show. Yeah. And, uh, 
he is played by Charles Edwards. Yes. Which, if you have seen The Crown, Downton Abbey, any movie that right. has come out <laughs> in the last 20 years, he has been in it. Yeah, now, any British movie that's about royalty or that's uh, from the, that period, like the Renaissance period, he's in it. Yeah. Because that's why when you see him, you're like, okay, I've seen this guy before. Yeah, you've seen him because he's been in a lot of stuff. You may not, you yeah. may not recognize him initially, but you've, yeah. seen him in, you've seen him in plenty of stuff. So, uh, Let's talk a little bit about the Harfoots. We talked about him a little bit already, but let's yeah. go ahead and talk about him. Uh, the Harfoots, like we said, I did think they were kind of had the most boring storyline. I did think the the interaction between uh, Nori and the stranger, I thought yeah. that was much more interesting because you mm-hmm. know Nori is very Nori and Poppy are basically the stand-ins for the the four elves that we saw in uh, Lord of the Rings. They've got the Bilbo, they've got not the Bilbo, the Frodo and Sam vibes kind of going on, and right, the, and kind of that that mischievousness that we saw from Pippin and Mary. They've kind of got that in there as well. Uh, but it's like you said, I thought there was the most boring, but I think it's also very interesting the way that these because these are the precursors to to the hobbits but they're so very different i mean hobbits love their luxury they love their wealth they love their their comfort and the harfoots are migrants they are constantly covered in dirt and soot and because they're they don't want to be discovered that's very different from what the hobbits will eventually be they, they don't want to be discovered they want to always be in hiding so they're interesting characters i don't know where they're going with them but they're interesting to say the least yeah, they're very interesting, and, I, and I'm with you. The you know they had to introduce them, right. and just how they didn't want Nori and Poppy to leave. That right. no, you we don't leave here. We've got this great yes. place. Mm-hmm. Why would you? Why would you care what what's happening with with the stars and stuff? Right. So I think they had they had to put that out there, and then like you said, the second episode we really got a lot of. Uh, I would almost use the word hijinks with Nori oh, yeah. and Poppy mm-hmm. kind of hiding the stranger from her uh, mom. Who's always kind of around right, trying exactly. to find out what's going on. So I, I enjoyed theirs, especially once they, because when they, when the stranger lands, you're like, wow, okay. Yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. see that coming. So I, I enjoyed that. What did you, did you, what did you gather from that moment when the stranger is drawing those things and he's scribbling that stuff with the stick and her dad ends up like hurting his foot as he's doing that. It obviously has to mean something. Was this, yeah. Because it it made me wonder, that's when I was watching, I was wondering, like, okay, so is he actually one of the wizards and he just doesn't know what he's doing yet and he accidentally did something there that caused him to hurt him? That's what I would go with, yeah. Because, like I said, there has to be something to that. The fact that they show him hurting his foot the moment he's scribbling and as he's he's like breaks his stick as he's, as he's drawing that. And that's the moment that the dad hurts his foot. Like I said, there's gotta be something to that. And like I said, that's what all these shows, they, they always want to give a little bit of mystery. And that's one of the mysteries we got with him right now is we got, uh, we got the mystery yeah. of who the stranger is. I don't know how long we're going to call him the stranger. I'm hoping that we'll figure out something here soon. Cause I was, I, yeah. like I said, he's, he's interesting. And if he yeah. is Gandalf, you know, I'm, I'm ready for Gandalf. I love Gandalf. He's one of my favorite characters yeah. of all time. So, uh, but if he's not, let's just, like I said, I want to know where they're going with him. Uh, but they do have, like I said, they are an interesting group of people. They're an interesting group of characters in this show, but they're, like I said, their story right now is, is just the prospect of them is interesting. What they were actually doing on screen was probably my least favorite part of the, of the show so far. Yeah. So. Uh, all right. So let's talk about Aaron Deer and Bronwyn. Uh, I like this because there were, 
one, we get we get a very different sense of the elves when we go to uh, Arondir's section. Because every time I've seen an elf, you know, we see them in robes and we see them in white and we see them in all this stuff. They had a much more like Roman centurion mm-hmm. feel with the armor they were wearing. Absolutely. Uh, so it was a very different way that we were presented with the elves. I, like I said, so this, this introduction I thought was cool. Uh, was What do you think? Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was good too, and uh, and you could tell that he was just such a warrior. Yeah, mm-hmm. that like uh, you know his partner, his others were talking about like no, you're going to be beloved when you go back home, right? Uh, because you know just all you've done. So yeah, I really liked him, and I love what what a trope when he comes in and he tells the the guys playing that chess game. Mm-hmm. He's already seen. He's already the seen it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was great. So, uh, like I liked his uh, his whole his whole part. Uh, the the scene in uh, what you call that a bar? I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yes, <laughs> I'm not sure what you call it. Yeah. Uh, bar is yeah. probably as close as anything. But but, I, but that you know that was good. And then you could tell from the get go that there was something with him and Bronwyn exactly. when she uh, she sees him makes a face and immediately walks out. And then, you know, we meet Theo, her right. son, our son, who are we just going to pretend he's not the father? Because <laughs> it's a little dark. Well, and, uh, let me, okay. Let me, actually, let's talk about that a sec for a second. Yeah. Okay. I could see him being the father. I could definitely see yeah. that, but let me, let's posit this as well. So if we don't know where the father is. They talk about this quite a bit. We don't yeah. know where the father is. But he's got the sword that is obviously Sauron's sword. I mean, that is, right, I right, right, right. And when his blood goes to the sword, it grows. Uh, so my wondering is like, is Sauron the father? Uh, because is it was it his blood that made it grow? Ooh, that could be. You know, that could be it too. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, just the the way Theo looks. I was like, boy, he sure yeah. looks like. You're right. There's no there's no yeah. question about that. So yeah, yeah, but yeah, that makes sense too. Uh, yeah, that, I, that I think could it's be one it. of the two. I think it's either it's either got to be Arondir as the father or Sauron has to be the father. It's like I said, that's the only thing I can think of. Unless there's, because I can't think of unless unless that sword is just drawn to any blood that it collects, and that's what makes yeah. it grow. That's the only other yeah. thing that might explain yeah. that. But yeah, like I said, so when I saw that, I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. The fact that the sword is actually being formed by by blood, and like I said, I would think it would have to be like his own blood. So maybe I don't know. Uh, yeah, but yeah, uh, this was really good. Like I said, I don't really know uh, what we're doing with Aunt Rondier because he kind of gets captured there at the end, and we right. don't see him again after that. So I'm not sure what is what's happening to him. Uh, that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, you know, it kind of makes me wonder. Look, I don't think we've seen Sauron yet, but does Sauron end up taking over Rondier? Uh, mm-hmm. Could that be a possibility? And that's how he. Yeah becomes who he is so and, and i really like bronwyn i thought she yeah, was she's just good. a strong character and i like how she was kind of a uh a healer and had a lot of different things and then that fight they had with the orcs was yeah, just was, was really good yeah that was fun and those things were scary yeah they, they were. put some money into the into the creatures to make them look uh to make them look really tough and scary because yeah, when they came out and getting back to actually having people in suits is, is big for this show because yeah. the, the orcs were done in the, in the Hobbit trilogies. They were, they were CGI creations. I mean, they were actually people, but they had the, the things on them. It just didn't work as well. Actually having yeah. the suits and makeup and all that stuff, I think it works far better for, for the orcs. But I'm going to say one thing. 
we have to i, I gotta tell myself already he's acting because theo is well on his way to be one, uh, a very annoying character yeah he is he could be he could very easily <laughs> be a very annoying character uh real quick uh aaron uh, aaron Deere is played by ismail cruz cordova uh he has already been the he's been the brunt of a lot of the hate of of this show because of the fact that he is not a white person playing an elf because all the, all the elves up until now have always been white. Uh, he has been one of the guys who's been receiving the brunt of all the stupid criticism that shows like this get from, from quote unquote purists. Uh, but purists for fiction. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, well, I saw where Neil Gaiman was brought in cause he's, fr- he was friends with Tolkien. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he said that like, uh, his, uh, people were, were, and the book mentions that they're darker skin than right. the others. Right. So, so it's kind of like, uh, hello. <laughs> also, yeah. can I just say it's fiction? It's fiction. That's the other thing. It's fiction, but it doesn't seem to matter for, for people. But nevertheless, uh, also let's real quick shout out the lady who played Bronwyn. That is Nazanin Boniati. I think is that's how you pronounce her name. Yeah. Uh, I could be pronouncing it incorrectly, but, uh, really good stuff from them like i said i we'll see what that where that relationship ends up going uh we don't know yet obviously but i've expected to go somewhere because they are hinting at it a lot that uh you know it's only worked between two people uh an elf mm-hmm. and a man uh they let me talk about that they talk about that quite a bit uh so like i think you're right i think it's either he's going to be the dad or or something else is going to develop and they're going to go down that line a little bit later on so i don't know uh we talked about the dwarves. Uh, let's see. We talked about, uh, I think we kind of talked about everything. Now that I'll look at my little well, list. The, the last thing that happened was uh, the, the, them being rescued again on the boat. That was the last scene. So oh, yeah. another mm-hmm. figure rescues them. Yeah. Another figure rescues them. I kind of think that's going to be somebody from Numenor. Uh, Numenor, yeah, I think so too. Numenor yeah. is like this island that's in the middle of the sea that you have to cross to get to Valinor. So I kind of think they're, that's going to be somebody from and, Valinor. And they're, all, and they're all over the trailer. Yeah, they are. So it's, it's going to be them. Yeah. That's what I kind of think. Also, look, I will say this. Another reason why the, it's just showing that Morford Clark is just fantastic is Galadriel and that she is a fantastic actress. When they're on that boat by themselves, I mean, one of the things that you have to be able to do is when you're when you're doing this scene, you have to be able to show that yes, you're in the conversation, but you're you know you're trying to do something like significant in terms of like getting you to where you want to go. She is pulling on this rope, and look, I have no doubt in my mind that she is doing absolutely nothing. Whatever she's doing with the rope is doing absolutely nothing to actually direct them anywhere. But this is acting. Yeah. This is what you do. It's like when an actor has food in front of them. They don't actually eat. They just push the food around on their plate. Right, she's right. doing a great job of this. I mean, you know, she's yeah. constantly messing with this rope because she's trying to sell. I'm in, I'm having an intense desire to get back to where I need to be. And so I'm going to do what I'm going to do this stupid thing with this rope all the time. Like I said, it's just, that's just those little touches that of acting that she's just doing. That's just, pays off and just shows mm-hmm. that intensity of I want to get back home. I want to, even though this is probably not doing anything, I'm still going to mess with this rope the entire time. So, uh, like and you know, man, talking about this whole episode again, I, I'm enjoying it even more. Yeah. I, I watched it two times. I, I watched it yeah. uh, when it first came out at eight o'clock on Thursday. So I watched it then. And then I went back and watched it on Friday night as well. And like I said, I think I got, I told you this, I think it really got yeah. better on the second viewing because you kind of, you can kind of, exp- you can really kind of revel in the slowness of that first episode. 
because that first episode it's it's kind of a drag. Uh, but when mm-hmm. you kind of when you know that's coming, you can appreciate some of the dialogue a little bit better. You can appreciate some of the things that are actually being said on screen uh instead of just being think focusing on just how slow uh the action is sometimes so uh yeah like i said i've really enjoyed this um i've I've been pleasantly surprised i hope they keep it up and i think they will i think this show is going to get better as it goes on so i I think you're right all right do we want to do our weekly awards yeah let's do it all right so up first we have well we do three weekly awards our first one is the Tyrion lannister the mvp for the week who is your Tyrion lannister for the first two episodes of the power rings of power i mean we've talked about her over and over it's got to be morfid clark yeah it does and let me just throw this out as well as a female playing a warrior Mm -hmm. you have a tougher you do. Job. You have tougher job. And, You're you know, great because you can. There can be really turn on you, and there is no reason to. She brought the goods. Yeah, you did. can buy her as 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 tough as any male out there. Yeah, you're you're 100 correct about that. And what's interesting is she didn't realize that's who she was going to be playing when they like actually. She auditioned and stuff. She didn't know she would actually oh. be playing Galadriel. Uh, like, and they kind of kept that from a lot of the people. They didn't want them knowing who all they were going to be playing, especially the people who were tied to the original ones. So, uh, Robbie Romeo and uh, Galadriel. They didn't want them to know that because that's a lot of pressure. I mean, when you have to live yeah. up to Kate Blanchett, it's like, okay, uh, well, that's a lot to live up to. So they didn't want her knowing that. They don't reveal it. They don't think they reveal it till a few days before they actually start filming. Is that that's who she was actually going to be playing? So, uh, but yeah, you're right. Morphe Clark is is your MVP for this because she. Is just absolutely phenomenal. And look, I kind of thought that we talked about this a second ago. I kind of thought Vika Morrison and, and and Orlando Bloom and Liv Tyler were going to have great careers after Lord of the Rings. I, I feel she will too, but you never know. So yeah, that's um, a good point. The Agatha All Along, the best scene of the week. What's your best scene for these first two episodes? I'm going with the, um, and I talked about it quite a bit. The Elrond and and uh, Durin yeah. scene. Mm-hmm. Just it brought the humor that we were kind of needing. Besides the Harfoots, had brought right. some, and then there was that great fight and the the game they were playing. Yeah. And then you got to show what Elrond is kind of all about. Like right. like I said, charming everyone and winning on ever. And then and just the you know the dwarves were just a delightful group. So they were, and, yeah. and, a, and a great uh, addition. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm I'm agreeing with you. I'm going to go with that. I will say a couple other scenes that I thought about for this. I thought about the scene with the the sea dragon or the sea worm that thing looked incredible uh it absolutely looked fantastic yeah. on screen uh the scene like talked about kind of when we uh, talked about galadriel's arc the scene where the common is shooting and it lands at the same time that she's going that she's you know debating about she's reckoning within herself do i go to to valamir or do i uh or do i stay here in middle earth and that how that all kind of collides at the same moment i thought that was a really good scene but i think you're right i think the best one is is the one with elrond and the doors i thought that was well great. i almost picked i thought the i thought theo and bronwyn fighting the orcs was really yeah that good. was a good one too yeah you're right that was a really good one as well so there, there was a lot to pick from uh, in these couple episodes so uh, the if you come at the king, you best not miss the best line of the week. What did you put down? So I wrote this down. It was one of the first lines of this whole show. It was uh, Finrod and and uh, Galadriel speaking when he she says she's expl- I think he's explaining about like truths and lines, right. mm-hmm. and he she says that's so simple, and he says the most important truths usually are. 
Yeah, that's that's a good one. I actually ended up going with two. I went with one from episode one and one from episode two. So in episode one, when they have convinced Galadriel to go across the sea to Valamor, uh, Valamor, I always Valinor, uh, when they've actually convinced her, High King uh, Gilgalad and uh, Elrond are talking, and one of the things that uh, King Gil- uh, Gilgalad says, he says, uh, we foresaw that if it had, she might have inadvertently kept alive the very evil she sought to defeat for the very same wind that seeks to blow out a fire may also cause it spread. Because uh, that is kind of one of the things where it doesn't, it makes her case a little bit murkier where maybe if she continues this, she might awaken something that she doesn't intend to awaken. Uh, and it kind of makes me wonder, are they foreshadowing something here? Uh, is her desire to to defeat this evil, is it actually going to come back to bite her in, in the end so i yeah. thought that was important uh so that was my episode one uh line my episode two line came from king duran's father uh he said there can be no trust between hammer and rock eventually one or the other must surely break uh it goes back that to this was whole, good yeah, yeah it goes back in the whole idea of they can't uh, these races don't trust each other they don't like each other and even though duran says he's friends he's still holding something back from him so i thought that was good yeah yeah, I agree. All right, so let's go ahead and give this a rating so far from where we are in this show. Uh, we have a five-tier rating system here on the Main Attraction Podcast. At the top of our list is a Game of Thrones. Just beneath the Game of Thrones is a Lost. Middle of the Road for us is Friends. Uh, just beneath Friends is a Full House. And at the bottom of the barrel is a Baywatch. What are you giving the first two episodes so far on the Rings of Power? Well, with the money they paid, uh, they we ought to give them a Game of Thrones. But <laughs> I think it's a lost. Uh, I think uh, I think it's a it, it, ha- it has a lot of promise. Yeah. Uh, it it you know we were all kind of anticipating it and concerned, and I think they answered those concerns, and they have a lot to do moving forward. So I th- I think leaving it as a lost is is a good first step for them. I think that is a success. I think it's yeah. a success. Yeah, it, it is just, it, right now. It's a lost. I don't know that it's going to stay there. I, if they can, like I said, I think this show will get better as it goes along. I think it will as they continue to get further into the story as the as everything starts to progress and they start to introduce a little bit more of the intensity of it, I think we're going to, I think it's eventually going to get to a, to a game of Thrones. I truly believe that, but they do yeah. still need to prove it a little bit more. So, all right. So that wraps up our discussion of the rings of power, the first two episodes, but before we go, we do want to uh, look, talk about some things that we're looking forward to here. Since this is the middle of the week episode, you got anything that you're looking forward to that you yeah, can I do. to our well, listeners? I was going to make a suggestion, and this still involves, uh, for any uh, musical friends, if you have like a cover band, I would call myself the power of the rings and dress up like characters <laughs> for the show, and you could sell out every Comic-Con, Dragon right, Con has been going on in Atlanta. You could make a lot of money. So yeah, for could. the musical geeky people, that is just waiting to be had. So uh, <laughs> what I'm looking forward to uh cobra kai season five (laughs) i can't wait i've been on this show since day one i actually had youtube uh the the youtube plus because uh i used to throw a lot of parties and we had to have uh we did a lot of karaoke okay and so i have the youtube so because i didn't like that right so i I had that when this show started on youtube so and i when i heard the premise of this makes johnny lawrence look like he's the good guy right i was like all right and then I'm like, 
Johnny Lawrence is the good guy. He's the <laughs> hero. He's been since day one. We just didn't realize it. This is a fantastic show. Uh, I don't. Uh, it is crazy, but it still doesn't lose anything. And that really is. I'm gonna, William Zabka. I feel bad for him because he got typecasted, but he's a really good actor. Yeah, and you mm-hmm. see this for the show. You know, Ralph Macho is good too, but you really see mm-hmm. that William Zabka. And then all the other characters from the series that they've added, most of the kids are pretty good. Right. So I, I, I love Cobra Kai. I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I actually never – I watched the first three seasons, and season four came out, and I, I meant to go back and watch it. I never did, so I'm planning to watch season four this week. That way, when it comes out, season yeah. five comes out, I can watch it because for whatever reason, I just never got around to watching season four and I, it's not because i didn't want to it's just i forgot about it so yeah. uh i definitely want to watch i'll watch season four um i'm like i'm hoping this week and that way i can start watching season five when it comes out because i think it comes out on thursday i think it comes out thursday yeah, that, yeah. Sounds, that sounds right so yeah uh, yeah looking forward to that a lot so uh yeah, i got one more thing oh, good because you took mine so <laughs> we, oh, no, we don't uh, talk about these beforehand so yeah so well, you may have some comments about this and this came up because I was watching uh, Justin and I are Mississippi State football fans, and we're okay. also SEC football fans. So uh, our game went into a long yeah, two, yeah, hour, yeah. Uh-huh. two hour and 15 minute rain delay. So at one point I was like, well, let me check on a bunch of different games. And I have DirecTV streams, and I realized, wow, it's not like it used to be. These aren't all on 12 ESPN no, channels mm. and all, on to all the Foxes that I'd have to log in to my ESPN plus to watch a bunch of games. And then, but you know, still had ABC and I think we had one Fox. No, I don't think anything. You had to go into some Fox channel. And I was like, boy, this is a big difference. What's going to happen when Fox gets even more money and they have their own version? Cause I probably am not going to get that. And like, so like football channels and our game long, long delay hours we we didn't pick back up to what like 9 15 or 9 30 yeah, about 9 30 or so yeah mm-hmm. yeah and so uh yeah it was such a long delay and then like i was looking like i said looking for more football and there were a couple of games on but like usually you would just keep turning over and over again because it was so easy to right. do when you had cable and stuff but that that has gone it's just not as easy uh when when all the channels are kind of leaving to more premium Right. service so i could just see how this affects uh people's college sports it didn't really hurt it last night only when uh we were having that delay and i right. was curious on like more because it seemed like this is another thing i hate about this every game was on commercial at the same time yes they were yeah it, it's one of the interesting things because there was actually a piece by written by this by a guy who used to work at sb nation and i can't remember the guy's name uh it was alex or alec or something like that i can't remember but uh he wrote about this where you know streaming the you know cord cutting has made things a lot better and a lot cheaper for a lot of people but for the sport fan for and for for sports fans it's it's made things a lot more difficult. It's made things a lot more complicated because if you want, there may be a game, a Notre Dame game that's exclusive to Peacock. Uh, yeah. If you don't have Peacock, do you got to go sign up for it? And there may be a game that's going to be exclusive to Paramount at some point that you got to go sign up for it. So, so you're right. I mean, there is, this is where, this is where the things have to kind of be figured out because I think a lot of people would be perfectly fine with, well, 
I mean, there's always going to be people who don't want to do the cord cutting. They don't want to have, you know, three or four different streaming services that they watch stuff on. I mean, there are people like that, but I mean, like that. Yeah. Mitch Matt in laws earlier. They're one of these people as well. They don't want to have three or four streaming services. Right. 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 They're going to always have direct TV or dish or whatever it is. That's what they're going to mm-hmm. have. Um, and you know, sports people, it's, they typically tend to be more along those same lines. They don't want to necessarily, they want to be able to go to one place and get all their stuff. And yeah. it's harder in this day and age to do that because it's just not there. So I, I don't know how that's going to play out. I really don't. Yeah. The NFL is going to be fine. College is the one. Yeah, college is Like I said, it was, uh, you just used to have so many options. And when our game was the only thing on, there was right. nothing else. Right, there wasn't. It was, there were like replays of old games on the other channels. So, so I was yeah. like, I was annoyed when I couldn't find another game to watch. So it, it like I said, it's just going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, it will be. So I'm not real sure how they're going to, uh, it's one of those things that people have to work, work out. People who get paid a lot more money, I'm sure they'll figure something yeah. out. So, all right. Well, I guess that kind of wraps us up for this episode of the Man Traction Podcast. Anything you else you want to add before we head? Oh, actually, let's talk about, I guess, Yeah. I guess when you talk about next week, it's going to be kind of be this way for a while now, guys. Uh, we're going to be doing Game of Thrones. We'll be doing Game of Thrones every week as soon as it airs. So we're about to go watch it here in just a little bit uh, and do our actual first episode of the week. Uh, but we'll be doing Game of Thrones uh, every week on Sunday night. And then the middle of the week, we will be releasing Lord of the Rings until it is until both of them have run their course. Uh, we'll eventually pick up Andor. We'll have to see what else we're going to pick up later on. But we still got a little ways to go for that. So, uh, But other than that, anything else you want to add before we head off? I just want to uh, just tell everybody we appreciate you joining us. And we will talk to you next time. I will echo those same sentiments. And as always, until next time, may all of your entertainment dreams come true.